the first question is, okay, why do we do things against our better judgment? By the way, this was a question that Socrates and Aristotle were talking about 2,500 years ago. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of Flip Mafia Podcast. Super pumped. Brian Wish, as some of you guys know, is a good friend of mine, and he recommended, highly, highly recommended, I should, I should say, to talk to Niriel and and he wrote a, a book that is actually super interesting book and he he just came out like literally two weeks ago with his latest book which I personally find really really interesting especially the title is called indestructible or indistractable how to control your attention and choose your life and if I think about it as an entrepreneur myself I feel like oh my goodness like how do I not get distracted yeah. Big challenge. So, Nir, again, you're a Wall Street Journal bestseller. You've done a couple of books. You've done incredible work in the field. You've been a CEO for a couple of companies before this. So, obviously, who better than you to kind of join us and share? So, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. All right, man. So, uh, we always start with a fun fact about yourself. So, let's start there and we'll just jump into this idea of how do you become indistractable? How do you become indistractable? So let's define what becoming indistractable even means. The idea of becoming indistractable is not the kind of person who never gets distracted. It's a kind of person who strives to do what they say they're going to do in business and in life. I mean, this is such a problem that so many of us have, me included, before I started this line of research five years ago, I would constantly get distracted. I'd be with my family and I'd start checking my phone. I'd be with friends and everybody around the table was on, you know, checking email or uh, text messages or Facebook or something. Uh, or when I'd sit down to work, right? I'd say, okay, now I'm going to do that hard project that I've been putting off. And I'd start, you know, on, on Slack channels or email or whatever stupid thing I was doing. And so I had this fundamental question of why don't we do what we say we're going to do? Why do we get distracted? And so the idea is that when we look at these four basic principles of how to become indistractable, we can become the kind of people who live with personal integrity. You know, we, we, none of us would want to be a liar to our friends, right? What a awful put down for someone to call you a liar. You'd never lie to your friends. You'd never lie to your family, to your kids. And yet we lie to ourselves all the time. We say we're going to work out. We say we're going to eat healthfully. We don't. We say we're going to be fully present with people, and yet we're on our phones. We say we're going to do that big project we know we have to do, and somehow we procrastinate. Why? If we know what to do, why don't we just do it? And so that's really what Indistractable is all about. And of course, when you toss in this added complexity of all the pings, dings, and rings, all of these devices and technologies that have come out over the past several years, it's really a, a new challenge that we have to put in its place. Now, my point of view, I love technology. I'm a big fan of it. And I don't subscribe to this notion that you see in the press these days that technology is hijacking your brain, that it's addictive, that it's making you do anything. I think that is a BS excuse. That in fact, technology and distraction that it causes is not your fault, but you know what? It's your responsibility because it ain't going away. And so we have to find ways to put it in its place to make sure that we can get the best out of technology without letting it get the best of us. And so that's why in Indistractable, I have a big section on how you can become indistractable, how you can make your workplace indistractable, and how you can raise kids that are indistractable. 
That's awesome, man. Now you've mentioned as you were talking about like like these there are like four pillars or something like that. You know, and, and before we get into that, like one thing that I've always felt, and I, I don't think I, I don't know if if anybody has ever quoted this or not, but it's probably something out there, is that our priorities are what what we do, not what we say. Right. Right. I would even go one step further that in fact, well, let me break it down this way. So when I, if we're going to talk about what distraction is and f- try and fundamentally answer this, I think really interesting question of why don't we do what we say we're going to do? Why don't we do what we know we should do? Let's start by defining what is distraction exactly. What do we mean by this term? So the best way to understand what distraction is, is to understand what it is not. So what's the opposite of distraction? Most people would say focus. It's not right. focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. Traction and distraction both come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And you'll notice that both words end in the same five letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you want, things that you are doing with intent. The opposite of traction is distraction, anything you are doing that is not what you plan to do with intent. So this is super important. It's important, number one, because it doesn't matter what it is that you do. I'm not going to tell you that playing Candy Crush or watching a football game or reading the news or checking email is wrong or right. That is up to you to decide based on your values. Only you can decide and don't let anybody tell you different. What I want to help you do is whatever it is that you say you're going to do with your time, whatever's consistent with your values, I'm going to help you do whatever it is that you want to do. Because when we plan what it is that we want to do, we turn these potential distractions into traction. In reverse, if we're not careful, you know, distraction tricks us. And something that that affects so many of us marketers and, and entrepreneurs and business people out there, we trick ourselves into thinking that that thing we're working on is somehow something we should be doing, right? This would happen to me all the time. I'd sit down at my desk and I'd say, okay, now it's time to do that thing I've been procrastinating, the thing I've been putting off. I'll get to that hard task right this morning. Yes, right now I'm going to get to it. Right after I check these emails. (laughs) Right after I look at that Slack channel. Right after I do some other worky thing that feels like work. It feels like it's productive. But here's the thing. If you didn't plan for it, it is just as much of a distraction as playing video games. Why? Because if you don't do the hard stuff, that's where your competition runs circles around you. Is that your inability to do whatever it is that you said you were going to do with your time. And you know what? Checking those emails. This is the plague of of the modern workforce. We spend so much time responding to stuff that we have no time to reflect on anything. And it turns out the people who excel at work these days are the ones who have time to think. The the ones who make time in their schedule to be a bit strategic. But nobody has time for that anymore because they're constantly reacting to messages and meetings as opposed to making time to reflect. So these are just some basic principles. We have to define what is traction, what is yeah. distraction, so that we make sure we can live the kind of lives we want. And that's and it went and you said this is like a five year, four year thing. Like yeah. when, like like back up into the story, maybe you know, and I wonder if it is how much of this is personal, like you know, your family, like because you mentioned like this is book is not just for people who are busy at work and trying to find, you know, how do you, how do you have the best productive day? You're trying to help people sounds like, you know, having the most productive life general and getting the most out of it, or at least be do what they promise themselves to do. So walk us into your life a little bit and share how this came about. 
Right. So I, my first book was published about five years ago. I started writing that seven years ago, and then it was published five years ago. And that book was called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. And that book has done very well. It's sold 250,000 copies. It's kind of a Silicon Valley staple. You'll see it at every tech company these days. We'll have a copy somewhere in the organization, it seems like. And the book is really about how to use the psychology of a habit formation for good. Right? Why is it just the, the social media companies and the gaming companies that can use these tactics to keep us engaged? What if we could make SaaS products that people actually want to use as opposed to feeling like they have to use? What if we could use technology to help people exercise more and, and live healthier and stay connected better? We can use the same tactics for good. And that's why I wrote Hooked about how to build habit-forming products. But of course, after that book was published, you know, at the time, I had to convince people that these tools were using the principles of consumer psychology well, today I have to convince no one of that. <laughs> Everybody realizes that these tools are incredibly good at changing your behavior. And, and I believe that we can actually put them in their place. I think by and large, look, the, the, the fact is, you know, we're not freebasing Facebook. We're not injecting Instagram. That narrative that the media likes to tell us that it's hijacking our brain, you know, ironically gets them a lot of clicks and makes them a lot of money when, when newspapers uh, and, and publications say that kind of crap. It's not true. The thing is, though, most of us don't know what to do about it. So we find ourselves perpetually distracted. We get distracted day after day after day. You know that to-do list, half of your to-do list, if you're anything like I was, doesn't get done every day, right? It just it's, gets it's stressful too, right? Like just incredibly the- stressful. Yeah. And it just keeps getting moved over the next day, the next day, the next day. That has to stop, right? There's that, there's that quote that's attributed to Einstein, even though he never said it, that, that goes that insanity is doing the same thing and expecting yeah. different results. And that's what most of us do with distraction. We keep getting distracted day in and day out, and we don't do anything about it. I mean, imagine how amazing your life could be, how much you could accomplish, how close your relationships be, how product would be, how productive you could be at work if you simply did whatever it was that you said that you would do. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so let's walk through the four things that you talk about as I don't know, the pillars yeah. of how you think through it. So yeah, let's walk through it. Yeah, so this is what took me the five years of research. I used to teach <laughs> in Stanford and, and that's where Hooks came from was my research there. And this is, this is the result of five years of, of research to really distill down what do we need to understand in order to master distraction. So the first thing we touched on earlier, the definition of distraction and the opposite of traction. So you have traction, you have distraction. Now, what prompts us, what comes before the action that leads to traction or distraction is a trigger. And there are two types of triggers. We have external triggers and we have internal triggers. External triggers, you'll be familiar with. These are the pings, dings, rings, all of these things in our environment that prompt us to either traction or distraction. There's nothing wrong with these triggers. It's about what we use them for. Are we using them or are they using us? So for example, if your phone gives you a little alert that said, hey, it's time to go work out or it's time for that meeting, that phone call that you plan, well, that's leading you towards traction. But if you're you know, with your kids and your phone rings from something at work and you plan to be with your, your children, guess what? That's a distraction. So it's really about asking, is this tool serving me or am I serving it? However, in my research, what I discovered was that the most common form of distraction was not the pings and dings. It was, in fact, the distractions that come from within us. That the most common source of distraction are what are called internal triggers. Now, internal triggers are uncomfortable emotional states that we seek to escape. Now, let me back up for just a second. If we, the first question is, okay, why do we do things against our better judgment? By the way, this was a question 
that Socrates and Aristotle were talking about 2,500 <laughs> years ago. They were literally saying, oh my God, isn't the world such a distracting place these days? They called it acrasia, this tendency that we have to do things against our better interest. So if we want to answer that question, why do we do things against our better interest? The second question is, wait a minute, let's go level deeper. Why do we do anything? What's the nature of motivation. And so for most people believe in, in some version of carrots and sticks, right? This is called Freud's pleasure principle, that everything we do is around seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. Yeah. It turns out that ain't true. Mm. That is not true. That neurologically speaking, we do not do things for the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. Everything we do, every behavior, traction or distraction is motivated by one thing, the desire to modulate our mood to escape discomfort. It's pain all the way down. In fact, even the pursuit of something pleasurable, wanting to do something for a good feeling sensation is itself psychologically destabilizing. There's a reason we say that you know, we, we crave something, we desire something, that love hurts. Neurologically yeah. speaking, that is true. So if we come to grips with the fact that everything we do is done out of a desire to escape discomfort, this is called the homeostatic response, that means that time management is mm. pain management. Okay. And so the first step out of these four is to master those internal triggers. That if we don't learn how to manage the boredom, the uncertainty, the fatigue, the stress, whatever it is that we are using, that, that prompts us to use a device, to use a distraction in order to pacify those emotions, if we don't deal with that fact, yeah. no life hack, no productivity book, no technique is going to save you. We have got to come to grips with the real reason, and no other book talks about this, and this is why I thought it was so important to write Indistractable, that we use distractions like babies with a pacifier. Mm. They help us escape uncomfortable sensations. So we can either do two things to master our internal triggers. We can either change the source of the discomfort, fix the problem, or learn tactics to cope with that discomfort in a healthier manner. So that's mm. step number one, master internal triggers. Yeah. Step number two is to make time for traction. We talked about traction versus distraction. So the second step is to turn our values into time. Turns out two-thirds of Americans don't keep a calendar. You cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So if you show me your calendar, I should be able to see what it is that you wanted to do with your time. And you have no right to say, oh, I got distracted because if you didn't plan your day, you get no sympathy. <laughs> you have to plan every minute of your day down to the minute. I'm going to give you a link for the show notes where you can use this distraction tracker tool I built, the schedule maker, I should say, where you can plan out every minute of your day. Now people say, oh, you know, I need time for flexibility and then to be spontaneous. And what if my schedule changes? I show you how to conquer all that stuff. But the fact is, if you don't know where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do for every minute of the day, even if it's doing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you're meditating, even if you're just daydreaming, even if you're, you know, whatever it is that you want to do with your time, that's fine. It's got to have a place in your calendar. You got to make time for traction or you can't complain about getting distracted because how do you know what you got distracted from? Right. The next step is to hack back the external triggers. So this is kind of the stuff that a lot of people think about, you know, hacking back the pings, dings, and rings on your phone, on your computer. A lot of very simple steps that we can take that most people don't. So those are just two environments, your phone, your laptop. Turns yeah. out there are eight different environments. One of the most pernicious forms of distraction is the open floor plan office, <laughs> right? Where people walk by your desk and say, hey, what's up? You want to chit chat? Guess this piece of gossip that I just heard, which is fine, but on your schedule, not on just anybody's schedule. 
And yeah. so every copy of Indistractable comes with a screen sign. You pull it out of the book, you, pull, you, you fold it into thirds, and you put this bright red sign on your computer monitor, on your screen, that says, I'm indistractable at the moment, please come back later. Now that's just one example of many, many different tactics that we can use. How do we make meetings indistractable? How do we uh, hack back group chat? All of these potential distractions, I'm gonna show you exactly how to deal with each and every one of them. And then finally, the last step of the four, and this is something we have to do after we've done the other three, after we've mastered internal triggers, after we've made time for traction, after we've hacked back the external triggers, the last step is to prevent distraction with pacts. Now, this is one of the most well-studied and oldest ways to prevent distraction, which is to make some kind of pre-commitment to make sure that we don't get distracted later on. And so this is where we can actually use tech against tech. Yeah. Right? There are thousands of free tools. I tell you how to hack back social media, how to hack back group chat, how to hack back uh, all of these different platforms that can distract you in a way that, guess what? The tech maker can't do anything about, right? And so I show you how to use these tools, how to make these different uh, pacts in your life so that you can prevent distraction so that you're not pulled away from something that you wanted to do. That's, man, that's a lot of stuff. You give a lot of free group. Yes, for, that, for, that, for the very, 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 very short summary. There's a lot more to cover, but I'm trying to keep it short. <laughs> yeah, man, no, that, that's fantastic. You know, one of the things I've done on my phone is just essentially I went in and I changed all the notifications in it. Uh -huh. Um, so I don't get any notifications on my phone, even though I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and active on Twitter. It's when I want to be active. Yeah. And I remember six months ago or something like that, it would constantly, I would always have a backlog of all the notifications. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I look at my phone screen and it's always like, even when I pick it up, I think there's a setting where it does not show your screen. So I have no screen unless I touch it and go and look, want to look at it. I love it. So I love it pops up is text. So the vast majority of people don't do that, but that's the kindergarten stuff. Of course we should do yes. that. I mean, that's, that should be like, you know, you, you can't drive a car unless you, you understand how to drive it safely. Most people don't know how to use a phone safely in a way that doesn't just constantly distract them. So that's stuff that takes you less than an hour and you will save exponentially more time uh, for that little investment of maybe an hour of fixing your, your phone so that it doesn't constantly distract you. But it turns out we don't think about, you know, the, like the open floor plan office. Meetings, yes. my God, how much time do we spend on meetings that don't need to happen or the worst? Okay, email. Mm. Oh my God, how much time do we spend getting distracted with stupid emails? Harvard Business Review found that the average knowledge worker, 25% of their, the emails they receive, they did not need to receive. And 25% of the emails they send, they did not need to send. Mm. And so when we dive into the deeper reason why we send so many E pointless emails and why we're receiving so many pointless emails. Turns out there's a deeper psychology there as well. It's not email's fault. It's not yeah. email's fault. It's company culture's fault. And the fact that people are so full of these internal triggers I talked about earlier, stress, fatigue, loneliness, uncertainty, that they're grasping at something that they can control. We know that agency is psychologically satisfying. And so people yeah. will send emails and call stupid meetings because it makes them feel makes them feel like they're doing something about the problem. And you know what? They're making it worse, not only for themselves, for everyone. Because you know what happens. The more emails you send, the more yeah. emails you receive. Yeah. And then the copy, like, you know, how many people you copy that don't need to be copied. And, and that, that is actually a cultural it's crazy. It's crazy. And so that's, that's a big part. I mean, the, you know, the, the simple stuff like changing notifications, that's, that's kindergarten stuff. The, yeah. the, the, 
The 201, 301 level stuff has to do with the real cause of why we get distracted. That's the real lessons in this. That is awesome, man. All right. So as I said, like I take a bunch of notes. I got like two and a half pages of notes. So I'm going to try to summarize a couple of big takeaways from it. But I guess the number one call to action is go get the book. Uh, it's just out a couple of weeks ago. So I can't wait for my uh, final copy of the book. So, so here, here are a couple of things. One is that, you know, this book is written for people who strive to keep their promises. It's not a perfect thing and none of us are perfect. I think as Amir said, like even he is striving, even though he's written this book, is because we are always surrounded by stuff and things that you control, you don't control. And something else is going to happen tomorrow that you have no idea about. So, but you got to have the mentality that you need to own your own time and you need to start thinking about it more effectively. Second thing I think you said was, which I think is really, really profound, which is it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Your time. So keep that top and center will be in the show notes. It's not your fault, but that doesn't let you, you know, that, that don't make excuses, don't cop out, out of that, but it's your responsibility to, to make it better. The, the other thing you mentioned uh, about that high, you know, as you, as you were saying, I was like, yeah, I know the answer to this question. And then you said, no, that's not true. So, <laughs> I, you know, you saved me from embarrassment, but I'm going to embarrass myself. You, you said that, well, what's the opposite of distraction? And I was like thinking focused, as you said, but you didn't, you, you, you were nice enough not to let me get <laughs> there. It is actually traction, which right. means both of them are trying to pull you in one direction or another. So focus is what you do with your time. If what you want to do with your time is focus intensely on something, great. That can be your act of traction, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be. Yeah. Traction to you is daydreaming, is losing focus. Great. Do it. As yeah. long as you do it on your schedule, not on some app makers or a colleague or whatever, you know, somebody else's schedule. I want you to live your life based on your values, based on your schedule. I love that. I absolutely love that. And then the four pillars, I'm not going to go, like it will be in the show notes, the, the map the, in the details, and obviously it will be in your book, but the idea of mastering your internal triggers or making time for traction or hacking back your external triggers and preventing distraction. I think all of this relates to the, to the big idea I feel of all the ideas that you said is that maybe something that everybody needs to go back and think about is how much time are they spending responding over reflecting? Right. And it, I would say, I'd be the first person to say that I think I'm spending more time responding. And I'd be the first person to say, I think everybody would probably agree I want, that they all want to spend more time reflecting or right. responding. So, so this book is, is for, for those people. Or, or even how to master the difficult task. I mean, where we excel at work is when we do something that other people aren't necessarily willing to do. Are you the person yeah. that can make more sales calls? Are you the person who can think for a fixed period of time to come up with novel solutions to hard problems. That requires you to carve out time and to reflect, right? I would call even, you know, calling sales calls, that's difficult work. That requires focus. That requires, you know, uh, managing distraction. If you can't sit at that phone and make calls for 45 minutes or whatever it is that you need to do for a fixed period of time, without that skill, uh, it's gonna be very hard to excel at your job. And so these, these basic techniques is what I call the skill of the century. Uh, if, if you want to live the kind of life that you dream of, if you want to be the kind of person that you yourself admire, someone who keeps promises to themselves, you have to learn how to become indistractable. This is the macro skill for living in the 21st century because if you are looking for distraction, the fact is it's not a new problem. Distraction has always plagued mankind. But if you are looking for distraction, these devices that we carry around with us, 
with us make it easier than ever to find. And we need these new skill sets to help us put the technology in its place so that we can get the best out of it and it not getting the best of us. That's awesome. All right, so people now will have Lane to go get the book. What's the one challenge you want to share with everybody that that's like simple thing, kindergarten, one-on-one level, that's perfectly fine. Is like, hey, here's one thing you go do today, like right now as they're listening to this. Yeah, I would say... Uh, that what we, we there's so many there's so many practical tactics. Tactics are what you do. Strategy is why you do it. And so I think for for indistractable, the most important part is the strategy. It's it's yeah. mastering internal triggers, making time for traction, hacking back external triggers, and preventing distraction with packs. But I think if there's if there's um, one step that we could take, it's to you know just I'm picking out of the hat here because there's so much. You know, I think looking at your schedule and asking yourself, would looking at your schedule reflect your values? You know, even if some people have it in one domain, so I, I talk about these three life domains. And so there's work on the outside, then on the inside we have relationships, and then in the very core we have you. And so many people might, you know, if they schedule their day, they might schedule it around work to make sure that they make proper time for things. And even there, you know, do you schedule time for email or yeah. is email scheduling your day, right? Are you constantly being pinged and dinged? Uh, you may not even realize how much better your work output could be if you planned your time. You know, that's the problem with distraction. We don't even realize how much better we could be at our jobs if we did focused work. So what I would ask people to do is to look at their schedule and not only ask themselves, do they have time to do the things that they have to do to excel at work? Do they have time on their schedules regularly occurring to be with family and friends? Look, that time's not going to make itself, right? We know what's going to happen. Your work comes home with you, Netflix. Facebook, the news, something is going to get in your way unless you plan your day. And so do you have time for your relationships? Do you have time for yourself? Is fitness on your calendar? Is a time to expand your brain, to increase the wisdom that you carry around with you every day in, in, your, in your head? Do you have time for that on your schedule? And if not, if you're not making time for those things, it's time to ask why not? Because every distraction only has three causes for every single distraction. Either it's an internal trigger It's that uncomfortable sensation that we escape with some kind of pacifier. It's an external trigger, something in our environment that prompted us to action, or it was a planning problem. And the good news is, is that we can fix those three things. So we don't constantly keep making those mistakes again and again. I love this mirror. Well, thank you again for sharing so much wisdom with it in like this jam-packed thing. And I can't wait to get my hands on the copy of your book. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And if you go, by the way, to indistractable.com, there's all kinds of free tools and resources. And there's an 80-page workbook that's complimentary that I couldn't fit into the book. It's there for free. You can download it. And that's all at indistractable.com. Awesome. We'll have the link in the show notes as well. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.